Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that everybody is safe and well in these times and this episode reaches you in a peaceful moment. Today I have a remarkable lady, I truly have to say, And I was very lucky to be actually invited on her podcast, which is called After the Crisis. And this was last year. For me, it's a real pleasure and an honour to welcome Victoria English Martin. And she is based in Denver, in Colorado, in the United States. She's an integrative nutritionist, a Pilates expert and founder of the successful show After the Crisis. She has an absolutely tremendous story of courage, determination and faith. And I am really in awe of her, a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I'm so happy to have her today on the show. Welcome to you, Victoria. Thank you, Mimi. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Victoria. I'm so happy to have you here. Really, I am. And I'm, you know, I don't want to say proud, but I am really to have you on the show and for you to share your inspirational story, you know, with the listeners, because it is really a story of huge adversity, but really a huge trust in God and the divine to bring you to where you are today. Please tell us a little bit about your story. Sure, thank you. Uh, Yes, it is definitely uh, a story that was led by my faith. It's uh, the only thing that got me through. And I am very grateful to be here with you today and just to, to be able to serve others and hopefully provide hope to those going through any kind of crisis or, or trauma. Um, I am uh, 49 years old. I am a mother of four children. They are 24, 22, 21, and 12. And I've always led a very healthy lifestyle. I am a Pilates teacher. I studied dietetics at, in college. And so have always been very uh, health oriented and um, always kept up with my health. Um, I, I was just living my life in 
2018, I had finished a workout and took a shower, was going to meet a friend for dinner, and um, and as I was showering, I felt a lump in my right breast, and I had just had a mammogram a few months prior that had been clear, so it, it, was, it was as if that lump had appeared overnight, and I immediately knew that it wasn't it wasn't something normal. Um, I had been going through a very stressful time in the months leading up to finding this lump. So I don't believe it was just a man, a physical manifestation. Um, I went to the doctor four days later and it was like you see in the movies where you're sitting there in the room with, Mm -hmm. with the other ladies and you're in your lovely robe. And they called me in for the mammogram. And then I went back to the waiting room and women were coming and going and putting on their clothes and going back home. And I was still sitting there. They called me back in for a more specific type of mammogram. Then they came back in and got me the third time and they started to do an ultrasound. And I was pretty certain at that time I knew my life was about to change. Then they brought in the radiologist. She looked at the mass and she looked at me and she said, this is very ugly. This is cancer. And it was just like you would imagine in a movie where the room narrows, your vision Mm -hmm. is suddenly you're looking as if you're looking through a pinhole. It was all of those things. And, you know, my children, my family flashed before my eyes. And I just thought, oh, okay, this is things are about to be very, very different in my life. And they biopsied it that day. I didn't want to wait. Mm -hmm. Um, They saw that it had moved up into some local lymph nodes which is very concerning, which can be indicative that it's, you know, it's about to spread. Um, And so I wanted to move quickly. Um, A few days later, I got the call and indeed was cancer. Um, My team moved very, very quickly. And I was grateful for that. Um, I was in with the oncologist just a couple of days later. And it turns out that I had something called triple negative breast cancer. And what that means is that it's not hormone receptor positive. There are lots of different types of breast cancer, which I didn't know about. Um, And I think a lot of women don't know about. I don't know what it's like over there, Mimi, but here in the States, we have October is Breast Cancer Awareness month and I want to rename it to breast cancer education month because Mm -hmm. we are all aware of breast cancer. Um, we aren't aware of, we're not very well educated on what to really look for and how to advocate for our own health. So triple negative breast cancer is rare. Uh, hits, it strikes about 20, 10 to 20% of breast cancer patients and it's extremely aggressive. And that's why, that lump that had not been there a few months prior was already big, large enough that I could feel it easily and had started to spread up the chain of of lymph nodes. So that put me at stage 2B, um, which meant that I was very close. If I had not felt that, I felt like it was definitely divine intervention that I felt it when I did because I was probably only weeks away from it moving into 
my bones or my organs or my brain, which would have made it stage four, which is not curable. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a death sentence. Um, So in that regard, I do consider myself lucky. Um, But I did have to undergo, undergo the most aggressive course of treatment. And they told me that up front. They said, this is going to be a very difficult year, but we think that we can save you. So just a couple of weeks later, I began my journey. Um, I had 16 rounds of chemotherapy. Uh, I had 20-something rounds of radiation. I had a double mastectomy, a full hysterectomy, followed by six months of oral chemotherapy. And since then, I've had a few other surgeries for reconstruction. Um, At one point, I developed sepsis. That was the closest I actually came to dying during treatment. I was in the hospital for 10 days. And um, it it was very difficult physically and spiritually. I had an unusual experience one day in the beginning of my treatment. I was in church and I have a favorite hymn Mm -hmm. that I had never heard in this particular church. We moved to Denver four years ago and I'd never heard it played in this, in this church. And it's, um, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I had gone to communion and I was back in my pew and I was kneeling and this was, I think maybe I'd had one chemo treatment. So I still had my hair. I didn't look sick yet. And all of a sudden I felt this warmth around me as if a blanket were wrapping around me and a voice very clearly said, you will survive this. You will not die from this. Wow. And you are the one that needs to go through this. And, and I just thought, okay. And it was a very reassuring voice. And it was this, as if they were saying to me, out of everyone in your family, you need to go through this. And I don't quite understand why, but during treatment, I did have genetic testing and it turns out we have no family history of breast cancer. I have a very large family on my father's side, but it does turn out that I carry the BRCA1 mutation, meaning that I was born with a 75 to 80% chance of getting breast cancer. And it's genetic. So Mm -hmm. I have three daughters. So my getting breast cancer could potentially have saved my daughter's lives. Hopefully we'll prevent them from having to go through, through this. There's now testing available. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I went through this so that my daughters may not have to, but also I went through this because... I needed to be stripped of all of my physical armor and have my soul healed. (laughs) You know, Victoria, we've spoken about this before and I think about you often, as you know, and I am really, I'm in awe that you are here that you are here, you know, thank God that you are here to tell us this story and 
how are you now? Where are you now with the illness? Mm -hmm. Well, I finished active treatment exactly a year ago. Okay. Last week. And this is where the story gets interesting. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. And this was the inspiration for my podcast named After the Crisis. Yeah. Uh, like, like most of us, you know, we, um, we're goal-oriented. And going through cancer treatment is interesting because usually, let's say you have a knee injury or something like that and you have to go to rehabilitation. And, uh, you know, as difficult as it can be in the beginning – you know that each week, as hard as it is, and all the hard work you need to do, and all the all the all the measures you need to take to be careful not to re-injure yourself, you know that you're moving in the right direction toward healing. And cancer treatment is the opposite because you have a chemo treatment, you feel terrible, and you know the next week is going to get worse, and the week after that will be worse. So instead of moving toward healing, you're literally being dragged down feeling like you're getting closer and closer to death, ironically, all in the name of healing, saving your life. Hmm. So that was a different experience for me because I've always been athletic and goal-oriented, and I had to surrender myself to this process of feeling worse and worse, you know, to losing body parts, losing my hair, losing my eyelashes, everything that made me feminine, um... And again, all in the name of saving my life, I had to feel like I was on the brink of death. And some days I did. So when I finished treatment, I thought that I would start to set some goals for myself um, on all levels, uh, physically, career-wise, spiritually, emotionally. And what happened was... The complete opposite. It was after treatment that I actually fell apart. A lot of times, and I think that I'm not unique in that experience. I know I'm not unique as a cancer survivor that to fall apart after treatment. And I think that happens to so many of us when we go through a trauma. So I was physically unwell. I expected to go back to hiking and all of my fitness things. And I, I was left with debilitating joint pain, um, you know, um, numbness in my arms, terrible foot pain where I could barely walk, digestive issues, so many things. But on, additionally, I felt very broken um, emotionally and spiritually and I fell into a very deep depression. I felt like a soldier during treatment, you know, like I was powering through, but it was after the crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens to a lot of us that, you know, we power through and it's after the crisis is, quote, supposed to be over, that it hits us and we fall apart. Yes. And this is, you know, it's like, um, in a way... When we face an, a difficult situation, a trauma such as that, or a huge change in our life, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. through illness or tragedy, mm -hmm. somehow while we're going through it, 
I always liken it to that we're blindfolded in a way and we're crossing this bridge that is a chasm of fire. And um, once you've crossed the bridge and the blindfold comes off, and I think the blindfold maybe is put there by the divine so that we uh-huh. can actually forge through it, it is yes. then that we realise what we've actually been through. That's a beautiful metaphor, yes. That is, yes, that sums it up. That's how I felt. So I, I found myself broken physically. Mm. I, you know, I had these big scars across my chest. I no longer had a, a uterus, which in my late 40s, of course, I didn't need it anymore. But there was still a trauma because that's where I, that's that, that was part of my womanhood. That's mm. where I grew my four children. There was a loss and a grief um, that I didn't know how to face. And, and so what I found, you know, and it's nobody's fault. Um, you know, when people see cancer patients ringing the bell after treatment, you know, or they see us with our hair growing back and maybe we're starting to get a little color in our skin again because we're, we're not so sick, everybody is congratulating us and saying that we're so brave and that we're such warriors. And, and it's true. We are not intentionally. We didn't, we didn't sign up for this. We got drafted unintentionally into this, into this battle, but people mean well, but they, they think that we're okay. And we think that we're supposed to be okay. We all put expectations on ourselves of how we are supposed to be. And I certainly did that to myself. And when people would ask me, how are you? I would say, fine. Because I was tired of talking about myself. I was tired of being the sick one. And I didn't want anyone to know how much I was suffering internally. Um, and, and I found myself last June in a very, very terrible space where I just, I wondered why, why I even was alive. Why, why did I go through all this to be alive, to feel so unhappy when everyone around me was saying, you must be so grateful. You must, you're so, you're so lucky. You're so blessed. And, and here I am saying, well, yeah, I am grateful, but I'm, but I feel like I'm in hell. You know, um, I felt very lost. And so I went and I did a lot of deep work on myself. I went to a retreat for a while up in the mountains. And then I went to some ther- several different therapists. Um, I started intensive acupuncture and um, all sorts of healing modalities to help me reconnect with my body. Um, much like a victim of, of assault, mm-hmm. I had disconnected, detached from my body. Um, so I had to do a lot of very, very deep work. And I'm still in that process, but I'm on the other side of it. And that's where the inspiration came for this podcast, because I thought, I'm not alone as a cancer survivor in this journey and feeling this way. I see it all the time in my Facebook groups, you know, women come out of treatment and they just don't know what to do. They don't know how how to feel, how to process what has happened to them. And then I thought, so originally my podcast was going to be about life after cancer, but then I started thinking about people who lose a loved one and how we rally around them. And then after a period of time, nobody knows if they should ask 
how they're doing. Nobody knows that they should talk about their the loved one that has been lost. Mm. Nobody is bringing casseroles or offering to help them with their shopping or whatever. And it happens that way with with people going through through the loss of a loved one, through a divorce, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a career loss, any any kind of you know infertility is a, is a journey that that I've I've explored with with a, an expert who's who went through an, an infertility journey for twelve years, and so we talk a lot about crises, you know, we talk a lot about what are socially acceptable crises like cancer. Everybody rallies, everyone comes to your aid. What about people going through mental health crises who are suffering in silence? You know, what about people who are suffering with a child going through addiction and they feel ashamed and nobody knows what to say? Mm. Um, So we we talk a lot about different types of crises. And my goal is to simply give people a voice who have been through this and and let people know that that there's no finish line. There's not a point at which you have to be over it. You have to be okay. Um, and just to help them find healthy ways of, of healing and honoring their, their grief and their loss. And what sort of um, people have you had on there, Victoria? What sort of stories? Mm-hmm. So, um, as I mentioned, I, I had a woman on who suffered with infertility for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, un- undiagnosed, they could not figure out what the problem was. She eventually adopted a beautiful son and now is a fertility coach. She helps people going through infertility, helps them navigate their emotions, helps them navigate social situations. You know, when, when they're going to the baby showers and, and everyone is kind of looking the other way, afraid to ask them if they're tr- trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, a mother who gave birth to a son who, who passed away a few days after delivery from complications from Down syndrome. And she talked about the feeling of, of you know, going home and her arms being empty her body creating milk because it had given birth and not knowing what to do with that grief. She turned it into a nonprofit called children helping children. So she helps, she helps not only children who are in, um, who are living in need of basic things like school supplies and food and, and different resources, you know, who are living in true lack of tangible items, but she also then turns around and lets those children who are living in lack help other children who may be physically disabled. So the physically disabled children, they can't lift a box, but the the, the, the children in need can. So they, they help each other. So the children who are, who are physically disabled may be able to help those children mm-hmm. fill their backpacks. But it's a, it's a way of empowering everybody that we all have things to give and we all sometimes need help to receive. So every every guest that I've had has has had their own journey and and have have found ways in their own way, whether it's big or small, to turn it into a ministry for healing for others. And so I, I've come across some really 
beautiful, inspiring guests. And it's something that, do you think you would have done this show without this crisis that you went through? It's interesting that you ask that because for the past several years, I have felt a tugging in my soul that I was supposed to do something. And I knew I'd been through, I believe it or not, cancer is not the worst thing I've ever been through. And I've been through some very serious situations with my older children. Um, but again, when we talk about crises, they were things that I couldn't share as openly that um, we, we've talked about with one of my guests is your, is your crisis casserole worthy? Is your crisis the kind that you can show to the world and your community will bring and stock your freezer with casseroles? Or is it a a crisis that you kind of need to keep quiet because it's, it's, there's a stigma attached or it's awkward or, you, you know, people don't know what to say. And often instead of saying something, they'll say nothing and it can leave you feeling more, even more alone. So, with my life experiences, I felt like I was meant to do something, but I didn't know what it was. And I remember for many years just asking God, the universe, I I call it, I call it God, asking my creed, my, my creator to lead me in the right direction. And was this before, was this before? This was before cancer. Okay. Yes. So I never expected it would be in this way, but I did feel that I was meant to share with others and give a voice to others going through difficult situations because I had been, my mouth had been sewn shut for years over some of the things that I'd been through and that my children had been through my mouth was sewn shut and cancer with all the stitches I got in my body, I had the stitches removed from my mouth and I found my voice and I am now paying it forward by giving a voice to others. It's remarkable. And I think that in a way, literally what you went through the ripping apart of something, you know, the ripping Uh apart, the shedding of the old, truly, Uh and the best healers are those that really have suffered. Yes. Because they really are the ones that are able to have this real compassion and real Uh empathy beyond words. You know, it's an understanding. It's, 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 in a way, freeing of the soul. Yes. And, and I think I'll speak to two things on that. I think that that is why you and I connected so easily Mm. because we both speak from our souls and as a woman, um, I, I didn't like to think of myself as being vain or prideful about my appearance, but I call it my armor I was, you know, I had very long blonde hair. I was very busty and had a really nice figure and, you know, and, and I lost, I had all of that stripped away. 
So I remember, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, all this joint pain, bone pain, hobbling to the bathroom, and I'd catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror, you know, this ghastly white face with my cheekbones, you know, protruding, no eyelashes, no eyebrows, no hair, no breasts, no uterus, and just thinking, my God, this is just me. And, you know, I liken it to um, many people during this pandemic are very uncomfortable right now because they're having to sit with themselves. Yes. You know, they, they, can't, they can't do all the things the busyness and the pampering and, and it, it's external self-care. And I certainly miss my, my, you know, my, my salon and all of those things that we can't do right now. But, but, you know, I was given a choice because there was nothing I could do about my exterior appearance. So either I just stared at myself in the mirror or I looked deeper into my soul and said, okay, what can I heal? What can, what can I do right now? Because there's nothing I can do about what's going on on the outside. I can only open myself and be willing to let my spirit and my soul do whatever it's going to have to do. And, you know, that took me through a very painful journey for a period of time. But the freeing that I have found since then has been incredible. And I, I don't want to, I don't know, I'd like to say it's worth it, but it is kind of worth it. Mm. You know, it, as much suffering as, as was there, I also have now a clarity and an authentic quality to my life and to my being that I didn't have before. And I didn't know it and I didn't do it intentionally. It just, it stripped away all the armor and gave me a different insight. And you speak about, Victoria, about this detachment of the body. And I know we spoke about this before. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that the body is just a vessel and that you can strip the body, you can, in a way, destroy so many parts of the body. But mm -hmm. what is actually left is the reality of us. Yes. And who we are, fundamentally, mm -hmm. who we are as souls. And that's something that overtakes the physical. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. I, I found myself, I think this is not uncommon for people going through the sort of treatment that I went through. Um, you know, everything being done to your body is painful for a year and a half, everything about everything that came near my body was pain. It was needles. It was scans. It was poking, prodding, being cut apart. And I've always been very in touch with my body, but just like a, a victim of any trauma, you detach. And that was disturbing to me because I didn't know how to reintegrate with my body and also how to honor my body and love my body even the way it looks now it will never look the same but I have worked on reintegrating into my body 
thanking my body and loving my body actually more than I ever have, which is very interesting given that physically it does not look like the old me, but I have such gratitude that it carried me through that hellish journey and that it's doing what it can now to restore me to health. So it's it's almost been like a a rekindled love with my body because I think women we we spend so much time you know minimizing our our strength and dismissing ourselves and and criticizing our bodies and striving for some perfection and when you've been stripped of everything and now just each day that I can do a little bit more I'm so grateful for that and I thank my body every day I thank you body for carrying me through cancer I thank you for waking me up I thank you for being able to walk today for being able to play with my daughter to be able to cook a meal for my family, to be able to teach a class of Pilates, you know, so it's a different, it's a different experience. It's like I've, I've come back into my body in a whole new awareness and a whole new level of gratitude, even though I look nothing like the, the, you know, the, the Victoria before cancer. So it's, it's an interesting perspective. In a way, it's, I wonder how much Victoria we, choose looking at this on a spiritual level because I know you're a very spiritual lady I wonder how much of this we choose before we actually enter our body you know how much does the soul choose how much does the soul agree to do to learn its lesson throughout life and therefore in order to complete this knowledge and the journey and to teach others around Mm -hmm. us how much are we actually agreeing to before we come onto this earth and you you know before we become into the womb something that we spoke about earlier how much Mm -hmm. of that have we agreed how much because it takes a great soul to go through this and actually be an example to other people and then to transform the lives of other people so I think that uh, how do we know that this is just meant to be? You know, there is such a thing yes. as destiny. This was meant to be. You chose this. I chose my life the way that I was going to live it, that we actually, for our higher good, chose this. I, I can relate to that, and I have considered that as well, mm. um, because by, by traditional standards before cancer, I was considered very attractive, and, and I feel like, um, you know, whenever I was greeted with this diagnosis, there was no question in my mind that I was willing to go to any length physically to save my life, so I thanked my breasts I thank my reproductive organs for their service (laughs) yes and and I surrendered them I have since learned how to grieve them um but the 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 work I never I never anticipated 
what that would mean for my soul. And, and I, I, that's a beautiful point because I do wonder now, did, did my soul make this agreement? Because mm. I agreed with my body. Uh, I didn't realize I was agreeing with my soul. I did not realize the transformation my soul would go through because if I, if I hadn't gone through that transformation of my soul, I wouldn't be able to be an example to others. I could come through and say, okay, here I am. I'm alive after cancer. You know, I'm all scarred up and everything else, but I'm here, but I would be still just a shell of a person if I hadn't done the soul work to get to where I am. And, and again, it's, as you know, it's always a journey. I mean, I'm just, I embark each day on this soul work. There's, there's no finish line, just like any other, you know, any crisis. I don't put a finish line on that anymore either. There's no finish line with this growth that I'm doing, but without the, without the, the agreement of my soul, um, I couldn't be doing this today. It would be impossible Absolutely. Because Absolutely. The, because the mm-hmm. body wouldn't be able to carry this burden in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. And mm. the soul, yeah. once the soul encompasses the body, mm-hmm. then I think it propels it. It can give it healing. And in a way, you, like a lot of us that go through trauma and a lot of people that I've spoken to and from my own experiences of life, when you go through something traumatic, you have to become friends with your soul and your body because it's the only way. Yes, and that is what I noticed is um, I, when I was not connected with my soul or my body and I had simply stayed alive after cancer mm. and I was going into that darkness, I was also drinking a lot. I was... I was um, not eating great, you know, but my main thing was was the drinking because the drinking, um, number one, would numb my physical pain Mm -hmm. for a period of time and it would take me out of my torment for a brief period of time and then, of course, just spiraled me deeper down into it. Mm. So, um, and, and and I've seen that in many people, I'm sure you've seen it as well, where after a crisis or a trauma, if we don't do that healing of the soul, then the darkness takes over and people will fall into all sorts. I call them, I don't call them addictions. I call them maladaptive coping skills. Mm, And so for one person, it may be alcohol. For another, it may be shopping. For another, it may be plastic surgery to mm. try and restore themselves to what they used to be or some ideal that they strive for, um, you know, because maybe their husband left them and they feel like if they get bigger breasts and extensions in their hair and lip injections, then they'll be then they'll be desirable. You know, whatever it is that you're doing to numb yourself and to, you know, disengage from your authentic being. For me, it was it was wine, um, but whatever you're doing, and I see that a lot in in people this, these maladaptive coping skills, and that's another thing I address with people is, you know, what are you using to detach? Because your soul is in there crying to get out, and the reason you're in so much pain is because you're sewing it shut, you're sewing yourself up, and sometimes we have to break before we can be put back together. And that's 
I think that's a, a crossroads that we all come to and we're faced with a choice and whether we're conscious of that choice or not, we all make that choice. Are we going to allow ourselves to break and then be put back together or are we just going to be crippled by this? You know, we were talking about that. Is it the Japanese art? What is that um, yes. art called, uh, yes, Victoria? Yes, it is called... Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Kintsugi. K-I-N-T-S-U-J-I. Kintsugi. And tell us a little bit about that because that that's a beautiful analogy of the human soul really yeah so i just i just came across it a few months ago and i'm so intrigued by it it's an ancient form of japanese art where they if something is broken let's say a beautiful vase is broken instead of either discarding the the vase or gluing it back together with some sort of, you know, liquid cement and trying to conceal and then maybe painting over it and trying mm-hmm. to conceal the cracks. This form of art is so beautiful. They mix an adhesive with powdered gold, powdered silver, or powdered platinum. And they piece it back together. But the cracks are evident. They act, they they put this gold, silver, or platinum to actually accentuate the breaks and the reconstruction. And I just think that's such a beautiful metaphor because if you allow yourself to break and then through whatever whatever creative energy, whatever whatever your life force is, whatever you call it. If you allow that that energy to then take those breaks and not just piece you back together, but piece you back together in beauty with with something precious and you come back together and yes, you look different, but you're actually reconstructed into something even more beautiful and stronger and less permeable to breaking and leaking. So I think it's just a beautiful metaphor for the for the idea of healing authentically and not trying to hide our scars, whether they're external like mine mm-hmm. or internal like mine, but less visible. But but you know, the, the wounds that we all walk around with. Um, letting those heal and and not not trying to hide the scars that we have. But maybe even highlighting them and sharing them so that someone else can have hope. And to feel real again, you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, to feel real. To feel real and to feel unique. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe, Victoria, the as you were talking about, you know, the hair extensions and the nails mm-hmm. and the, and the mm-hmm. lips and the breasts and this and mm-hmm. that and this, and it's so popular... Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because actually now in these times we are more scarred as people. Yes. And this is done as a mask. And yes. I think the analogy of what we're going through at the moment with everybody, you know, being asked mm-hmm. to wear masks is mm-hmm. an interesting thing because, in fact... We this is the time now to rip open 
everything that is false and yes. to put this gold and the platinum and the silver and to mm -hmm. see the beauty of our scars. Yes, yes. And decide what we want to put in that vessel. Yes. What, what sort of normal do we want to return? Mm. To what sort of normal do we want to return? You know, do we really want to go back to the, the chaotic busyness that we had before and all of the masks that we wore? Mm. So it's, it's actually an opportunity to get, 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 get comfortable with being uncomfortable and really taking, you know, examining ourselves and our lives and our values and what really, really matters to us in deciding how we want to be pieced back together. And it's an opportunity to do some beautiful breaking and even more beautiful piecing back together and healing. Beautiful. You know, so beautifully put, Victoria. And I'd like to know, and please share with me and the listeners, what is the most inspirational thing or the most inspirational person to you? Mm. The most inspirational person to me is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a member of a, of an organized church, but, um, I pay very close attention to what Jesus actually said and what he meant. And he was, he teaches love and compassion and strength, true strength. Um, and so I, I pay a lot of attention to what he actually said and did, not the way that it's been morphed into something that man has manipulated and, and made into some sort of doctrine. Mm -hmm. um, I pay a lot of attention to actually learning about Jesus and about the way he lived and the way he thought and the way he taught others to live. And that's that's actually quite common in, in most of the major religions. If you sift through all of the dogma, um, the the guides to living are very similar. So, um, yeah, so I just pay attention to, to what he actually said and did. And did your love for him help you through this crisis? It did. It did. Um, you know, it helped me relate in a much more honest way. Um, I was always uh, kind of talking to him with part of my face hidden. Uh, shame. You know, I didn't understand the true unconditional love that anyone could have for me. So I, I imagine myself praying in the old days and sort of turning away from him, almost like when you're talking to someone and you have to tell them, what you did wrong. Mm -hmm. And I had an interesting experience when I went on my spiritual retreat last summer during some imagery at the beginning of the week, you know, I, we were talking about Jesus, that he was kind of my touchstone. And in the beginning of the week, he was holding me in his lap because I needed that level of connection and comfort. And by the end of the week, whenever I would visualize him, he was sitting next to me with his arm on my shoulder. And wow. I thought that was very powerful because, you know, these mm -hmm. things just come to you as you're going through a meditation. Mm -hmm. It was nothing mm -hmm. I planned, but I saw me moving from his lap 
to sitting next to him and him having his arm on my shoulder. Like, you're okay. You're, you're putting yourself back together and I'm still here with you, but you're safe. And I thought that was, that was an interesting image that came into my head throughout this, this healing week that I had up in the mountains. Faith is something that has this unfathomable power. Mm-hmm. And I think this faith that exists for a lot of people is an absolute and total belief in something far greater than them, than themselves. But yes. in fact, it is part of who we are. The divine uh-huh. God is part of who we are because we are a reflection of this on this earth. And... Uh-huh. If we can connect to this huge power, you know, this huge power center mm-hmm. of belief in ourselves first, the belief yes. in who we are and the acceptance mm-hmm. of our own soul, this mm-hmm. frailty, the fragile aspects, everything in its completeness, I, I think it can miraculously transform our lives absolutely and that i think has been the biggest gift of this journey is is now i i don't go with my with my face turned away even if i have even if i'm not having the best day or or if i've done something i probably shouldn't have done or whatever it is Mm. um but i i live in alignment with my true spirit and I can go and I can meditate and I can pray and I can be fully present with my humanity, just who I am and know that I'm loved and, and, and connected and held. And it has opened up a whole, a whole realm of creativity and connectiveness that I never had before, even though I was a person of faith, um, I'm now a person of spirit. Like it's like we have a, it's like I have a hotline <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and that's why, you know, when, when you ask me, what's your plan with your business and everything, I have no idea. I wake up each day and I ask for doors mm-hmm. to be open and for my feet to be willing and just willing. Doesn't mean I always do yeah. just be willing to walk through whatever door opens and you know, it works out for the best of, of humanity to, so that I can serve others because that's really, that's really what we're called to do while we're here on this earth. To serve each other. To serve each other. And in mm. that we serve ourselves. If we're doing mm. it from, from a good intentional guided place, mm. we serve ourselves, we serve others and we serve our creator. You know, one of my favorite sayings, Victoria is, um, all that I gave, I have. And I really, mm. truly believe that because yes. there is this beauty in the art of giving and oh, to give yes. of oneself as you mm-hmm. are, you know, um, mm-hmm. you're giving really your true, your authentic, your real self. And you, by you being yourself, And by Uh you opening your heart, you're pulling the people towards you to open their heart. And that's something that is a remarkable gift 
to be graced with. And I really hope, you know, truly from my heart that you have many, many beautiful years ahead of you with beautiful adventures. And I know you're into poetry as well. That's something that you're looking now to um, touch upon and expand, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. It is. I wrote a lot of poetry when I was young Mm -hmm. and... Again, going back to some trauma, I I stopped writing, um, and I just have started to explore writing again, and it's funny, it's kind of like a a dam is breaking open, um, and it's just kind of pouring out of me, so I don't know where that's going to lead, but it's it's definitely another one of my healing modalities that I'm enjoying very much. Beautiful, and you must share with me. I said to you, you know, please share once you've done some of your poetry and I would love, you know, to have it on the podcast and I will put it on the podcast because I'm sure it's going to be beautiful, really. And thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on the show. I Thank you. You know, I'm just totally inspired by your story and humbled that you, you know, came on the show really I am and I know you do a lot of things for a lot of people and you truly are one of this world's you know light healers and I would love for you to share with us you know for people to get in contact with you how they can get in contact with you and um, please share um, with us what's the best way to be in touch Yes. So my website is simply my name, victoriaenglishmartin.com. You can connect with me there. Uh, My podcast is on all of the major platforms. It's called After the Crisis. And uh, I'm available for one-on-one coaching to help you find balance, to help you with nutrition, with healing, with... um, just kind of finding, you know, where where your cracks are and and how we can move toward healthy healing. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to help. I can talk to individuals. I can talk to groups. And thankfully for us, with technology, we can do it all from, from our homes. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 we can now, mm-hmm. can't we? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a new face. It's a new yes. face in... Um, on the planet, really, of um, who knows, as we were saying before, who knows what the future holds, who knows what tomorrow brings, but mm-hmm. simply a day at a time. That's all we can do. Absolutely. A day, Absolutely. You know, a day at a time. And that's all we have. We only have this moment in any case. And yes, just as a, a finale, Victoria, what is your advice? You know, if you could put it in a paragraph, what is your advice for people? out there oh goodness don't be afraid of yourself don't be afraid to break don't be afraid to heal and let the light in and then don't be afraid to show your scars amazing amazing Thank you, you know. Oh, thank you. 
beautiful, beautiful soul, beautiful lady. And I'm <laughs> really you. grateful, you know, that our paths crossed. And so I, am I. You know, I know it's for a greater purpose. Absolutely. Yes. I, for sure. And um, thank you again. And I'd love to have you back on again. And, I'd be you know, to hear about more of what you're doing and yes. um, your inspirational stories and your poetry, of course, and you. how your excellent podcast and, and show after the crisis um, is going. Because, you know, I, I was very honoured to be on there last year, yes. as yes. I said earlier, and um, that was a wonderful experience. So uh, thank you very much, Victoria. Uh, I send you lots and lots of love. Yes, same and, to you, um, across the pond. Across the pond, and <laughs> I'm, you're still invited to England with your daughter to come Believe and see me. the horses. She is waiting, <laughs> she's waiting, yes, we're waiting for these Well, we're waiting, we're waiting for you, so please, we anytime. Plans. yes. Anytime, you, I'm waiting for you, you both. Thank you so much. And um, I hope to see you in better times. Yes. Lots of love. Thank you, Victoria. Cheers to that. Thank okay, you, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Victoria English Martin. Beautiful lady. Beautiful story. Wow. What a story. Uh, again, we have this immense power of faith that is installed within us. And... It's something that is deep within us and it's something that we can always turn to and always trust. Something to think about. Thank you, everybody, for listening and wishing you lots of health, a long life, and hopefully we shall meet again in the next episode. Take care. And lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music, and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www miminovic.co.uk Life is but a fleeting moment, only a glimmer of our real essence is here 
upon this earth. The rest abides in the celestial realms, never leaving the glory of the divine. Our presence here is temporary, yet it is a continuous journey towards eternity. For everything, there is a time. For everything, there is a season. And so, for us. We are not outside the sphere of God's great plan. We exist in an intricately sewn carpet of existence. Each one of our souls gently caressing the moments of life of one another. Whether or not we have ever met, we each have a profound effect on each other's lives. The flight of the soul is propelled by its yearning to be free of this physical world. Within the essence of everyone's heart exists the same ocean of love that encapsulates within it endless tears of separation that pour infinitely upon the soul to water the gardens of loneliness. We are all fragile beings, yet we are all belonging to the Almighty Lord. So, there is no separateness, ever. We are eternal. And one day, we shall all be together in the ocean of love and unity. Until then, we can only dream.